Father, we humbly bow before Your presence. We are here to worship You. To give You all praise, honor, and glory for what You've done for us. And Father, we we come humbly at this time asking You to reveal Your Word to us and the things that You have in it and help us to understand the deep things. Help us to understand the little things because that's where it begins. But we're putting on some layers now. And I pray, Father, that You would open up our eyes and our hearts to see how fabulous You are and how fabulous Your mind is and how that You have wanted the Old Testament to be our school teacher to lead us to Christ. And how that everything in the Old is fulfilled in the New. And you don't know much about the New unless you know about the Old. Because the Old is revealed in the New. It's the fulfillment. And so Father, You were the author of it all. And so I pray today that You would give us the grace and blessing to put the two together and to begin to understand Your calendar. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you know, the one thing that we do as as we were saying about directing our praise and glory and honor to God is that we always give it to Him. We're here to worship Him and to direct everything that way. And I hope that the Word today will edify, mold us, and challenge us to be exactly what God wants us to be and to do what He wants us to do as His body of Christ here on this, on this earth. I want to combine a few things. I want to talk a little bit about seasons, appointed times. Next week it will go into a marriage feast and those kind of things. So whenever we begin to talk about today, we're going to talk about feast days. Um, feast days. These are appointments of God's. Um, where to begin? How about with a calendar? With a calendar. You know, in this day, let's say you went to the dentist, or you went to the eye doctor, or, or you went someplace, and you got your teeth cleaned, and you know what they do every six months? They want to make you another what? Appointment. And they'll say, do you want a little card to take with you so that you know the day and the time, the day and the hour that it's going to be. And you'll say, yes, give me that so I can put it on my what? Calendar. So calendars are important. They're so important, even all these new phones and everything has the calendars and reminders on there for you so that you can do that, doesn't it? Let me ask you something. Whose calendar do you follow? Now, men, you can say mine, but a lot of time our wives trump ours, don't it? I mean, really, if, if you go to think about it, hers is mine too. So, uh, that being said, your family calendar, is that the one you follow or you follow someone else's? Take Joe Smo and Kokomo. Are you, are you following his calendar? Do you say, man, i got to figure out how to look at his stuff so I can do what he's doing? You do what's on your calendar, don't you? You don't look at someone else's calendar... If, if theirs happens to match yours and you're going to be at the same place, same time, that's one thing. But I go by my calendar and you go by your calendar and everybody has their own. Think about God. Do you think God is going to be on my calendar? Do you think that I can say, God, look, I got on my calendar that today you've got an appointment with me and you've got to do this and that. Do you think He's going to follow that? Whose calendar is he going to follow? He's going to follow his own, doesn't he? Did you know that God's got a calendar? Oh, yes, he does. God's got a calendar. And let's begin to, to explore what God's calendar is. He has one, and it began in Genesis 1. Did you know that? In Genesis chapter 1, the creation of the world, it starts out within a beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes on and, and you get down here to about verse 3 and 4 and it starts talking about how that... Notice that according to God's calendar, verse 5, the evening and the morning was what? The first day. It was day one. That's where the calendar started. Because now we're talking about days. God made these two lights at the very first... 
And he said it's going to divide, and God still divides. Everybody tries to say God's an inclusive God. God's a dividing God. God divides darkness from light. He is light and has no fellowship with darkness. He divided with light the darkness from the light. And then, when He did, He told the earth to start rotating on its axis. And one complete revolution of that is a day. And did you know that God's calendar is different from ours? Because when does our day start? Like usually midnight. You know, they say 12 a.m. starts the new day. And we think of morning as the beginning of the day, our day, and the evening as the end of our day. But I want you to notice real carefully that God's not on our calendar. He made His calendar from day one saying that evening begins the day, and evening and then morning going through the afternoon is day one. Skip on down there to about verse 8. It says, evening and morning was what? Second day, day two. So God's calendar, what I want you to first get is a fact. God's calendar is different from our calendar. He has a calendar and it's, He's not on our time. Did you know that Satan tries to take everything that is God's and make it His? And subvert it from what God's is. And he, he does that because there's some very important things that we need to know about God's calendar. Look up there at verse 14. Then God said, let there be more lights in the firmament of heaven to divide day from night. And then let them be. So these lights that he's making in the firmaments, which is sun, moon, stars, planets, all of these light bodies, the luminary bodies. He says, let, there's a purpose behind them. Let them be for. What are they for? And what? Okay, the first thing besides dividing light from dark is they are for signs and seasons. And then days and years. So you have time in days and years, but that's secondary. Because the first thing that this calendar of God's is about is signs and seasons. What's that mean? Signs. Signs are signals. That's the sign is short of signal. A God's signals to you and I are through the heavenly realm. But you know what? We've got so reliant on a calendar and man's calendar, we pay no attention to what God's calendar is. We are so far removed from following God's calendar that we have no idea what He put those things up there for. He put them up there for signs of seasons. What season are we in right now? Summer. What's coming up next month? Okay. You know that's not what this word means? <laughs> we have changed seasons to be spring, summer, winter, fall. Those kind of things. Now, let me tell you what God's season is. The word for season is moed. It's a very special word that God has used. And this is important, folks. I'm, I'm hoping that you'll realize the importance of, of what God's Word is trying to tell us about His calendar. Moed is an appointed time. Whenever you look up the word for season, it's translated a couple of different ways all the way through, but it is God's appointed times. The things that are on God's calendar. God has a calendar. And He has appointed times, meetings, the behind appointed time is the idea of several things. The meeting, the place of the meeting, the time, the day, the hour, and the people. You have all of this that goes along with the season, the appointed time. So now I want you to start thinking about God's calendars that seasons and appointed times are the same thing 
and that God has appointed times on the calendar. We're going to get an aha moment for a couple people here. Okay, let's begin to explore then what this means, okay? Let's see it put into action in the Bible. So now we go to Exodus. God's speaking to Moses in chapter 13 here. And He says, I want you to consecrate unto Me all your firstborn. Because He's bringing them out of Egypt. He's getting ready to bring them out of Egypt and to go. And He said, you know what? You're going to consecrate your firstborns to Me. I took theirs, but you're going to consecrate yours unto Me. They are Mine. Man or beast, they are Mine. And Moses went to the people and told them that. And He said this, Remember this day. This is the day in which you will go out of Egypt. You will escape bondage this day. And the Lord wants you to remember it, for with a strong hand He brought you out of the bondage of Egypt. It was, took some power to do that. He brought you out of bondage by a strong hand, and as a remembrance, there shall be no unleavened or no leavened bread within your place for the next eight days. You will not eat leavened bread. You shall only eat unleavened bread. Do you know what we eat every first day of the week here that you got on top of your little cup? It's unleavened bread. Did you know we're still keeping this feast? Because this is going to be a moed, a season, an appointed time on God's calendar. It was every year for them... It's every first day of the week for us, but we're keeping the feast of the Passover. Jesus instituted a new one right before He went to the cross. He was partaking of the old and brought us into the new. So we're still doing... You will have only unleavened bread. When the Lord brings you into the land of promise, you will do this year by year. And what I want you to do is I want you to explain to your sons to your daughters, to your people, what this means. I want you to tell them what this means. It is a reminder of what God has done for you. What did Jesus say when He instituted the Lord's Supper? This do in remembrance. It's a reminder of what I have done for you. It's the same thing. So He says, you're going to explain to them that I brought you out of Egypt and out of bondage. What did Christ do for us? Brought us out of the bondage of sin, didn't He? So, it's all... The Old Testament is fulfilled and revealed in the New Testament. So, we keep going. Now, here's where we get to something that's kind of cool. Verse 9. It's going to be a sign for you. We're talking about signs and seasons, right? This is one of those signals to you, and it's a remembrance for you. It is a thing you're going to do every year, and when you do it, it's as if to you, it's your, in your hand, it's on your hand, and as a memorial between your eyes, in your thoughts, that the Lord's love may be in your mouth for a strong hand He brought you out of Egypt. What does it say in Revelation chapter 14 about the mark of the beast? Where's his mark at? In your hand. Where's God's mark at? It's going to be on your hand and between your eyes, on your forehead. You see, you're either marked with God's mark or the enemy's mark. It's whoever you're thinking about, whoever you're serving, whoever you're remembering, whatever you're doing with your life in that remembrance of Me. So He says, Therefore, you shall keep this ordinance in its what? Season. It's okay to talk. In in its seasons, Moed, the appointed time. There's an appointed time and you are to keep this ordinance It is as your mark to you that you are mine. You are to keep this appointed time. Now, this word appointed time, like I said, includes all of the other things. It's translated 150 times as the congregation. 
It's translated a bunch of times as meeting and the tent of meeting. The tabernacle is called the moed. It's where you meet together to be with God and to do the things that He has asked you to do. So this encompasses people, congregation, the meeting place, and the meeting time because God is going to meet you there because it's His calendar. And it's His on His calendar. A moed is what's on God's calendar for us. Now, i got to get moving a little quicker or we're going to be here a while. Leviticus 23, turn there with me. You'll stay there whenever I wander. But we'll come back to Leviticus 23. We may go to 1 Corinthians 15 together, but Leviticus 23 right now. I want you to turn there with me in your Bibles. The Lord speaks to Moses here. Here's where we're getting introduced to these moeds, these feasts, these appointed times that the luminary bodies, the stars and the, and the sun and the moon and the different things, they are the signals of when these moeds, these meetings that are God's calendar, takes place. It says this in Leviticus 23. It says, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them that the moeds, the feasts, the appointed times of the Lord are to be holy assemblies, holy moeds. The feasts are signals to the people of God to assemble for a special purpose, a holy purpose. At the appointed time on my calendar, you will do this. Verse 4, it begins setting forth these moeds as signals, and there are seven specific feasts or moeds that are held every year, year by year, on God's calendar that are set apart as appointed times. Actually, for us to understand, they are assemblies of remembrance, like he said there in Exodus a moment ago, to remember some things. God wants you every day, year by year, to remember Him and keep Him right here so that nothing else gets placed right there. So every year they gather together and he says this, My appointed time for the first feast is on the 14th day of the first month at twilight or evening. You see, God's calendar begins at night. He's not on ours. At evening on the 14th day, specific day of the first month, the Lord's Passover takes place on that day. Oh, I'm going old school today. I didn't want to try to make up slides, so I brought this thing out. We're going to have a timeline here. We're going to start with creation. And we're going to go to the end. Okay, here's where the lights came in, right? They're for signs and, and signals and for the seasons. And now God's given us one of the first ones in His Word. He says, okay, Passover. Passover starts here. 14th day. So on the 14th day... I want you to gather as a holy assembly for the Passover feast. And he tells them how to do that. And then he says, the next day, the 15th day, the 15th day is unleavened bread. It's the very next day after my Passover feast with the Lamb. You got the Lamb that is going to be slain and the blood that's given for the rolling over of sins. The next day is the feast or the special day of the Lord's calendar for unleavened bread. Now, Exodus said these are to be remembrances of things, of what the Lord has done for you. Everything in the old was a shadow of what's real in the new and brought forward. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5 of what it says about what we just read. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage, weren't we? We are in bondage too, to sin, under the elements of this world. But, when the... What? Fullness of time. When the fullness of time had come. You know what that means? Moed. It's the word moed. When the season. When the time 
came on God's calendar, not mine, but God's calendar, when it came for Christ to come, He came. When the set time, the appointed time came, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. There's your Moed. It was a set time. It was an appointment that was on His calendar. It was so set that even back, see, Daniel would have been 700 years before Christ. 700 years before Christ, God did something very special. Israel fell because of sin. Babylon took them over. Daniel was taken into captivity and he was trained and he exceeded everybody under the training. So the king made him one of his special servants. When the king had the dream, none of his magi, none of his soothsayers, none of his special people and prophets could tell him what the dream was. And he was going to kill all of them. But then God revealed to Daniel what to say. And Daniel was brought in. And he revealed that to him. And you know where that king placed Daniel? Head of the Magi. He was the head. You know what he did? He explained to them he was a minister for God. And he explained to them the things of God. And he explained to them the signs and the seasons of what to look for and when would come the Christ child, the Messiah. There was an appointed time and He told them to be ready to watch for it. And year by year, they watched for the signs that God had put in the heavens. As He said in Genesis 1.14, I've put these things here for you to know. They show up on Herod's doorstep, don't they? And they say, where is He who is born the King of the Jews? For we have seen His what? Yeah, the sign, the star. We have seen it and we have come. They learned the Word of God from Daniel. Guess what all the Jews did? They went on their own calendar instead of God's calendar. They weren't paying attention to God's calendar, the things of God. They didn't even see the signs, the signals that He had put up there for them. They ignored it because they was busy looking at their own signs and their own calendars and they aren't following God's calendars. And we are in the same boat today. Where is He that is born King of the Jews? We've seen His sign, His star, the symbol. And we followed it here. And He is here. And then that, led, that same star appeared after they left and led them over to Bethlehem where they found the baby in the manger. You see, God pointed it out to them. But only those who are looking at God's calendar and God's things understands what time it is and when things are going to happen. None of them ever saw it, but yet they said that they were the people of God. We've got to be on God's calendar, folks. There is an appointed time. In verse 5, He came to redeem us who were under the law that we might receive adoption unto Him as sons of God. You see, He came while we were yet sinners. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You know what that says? That version there says at just the right time, the word is moed. At the appointed time, at the proper time, at the fullness when it was full, at the fullness, proper time, Christ came and He died for us, for the ungodly. It wasn't any time. It wasn't on my time or anyone else's time. It was on God's calendar. And at the appointed time, Christ came. Everything on God's calendar has an appointed time for it. Ecclesiastes starts out, there's a time to plant, a time to sow. There's all of these. God has appointments that are going to be met, whether we're there with Him or not, whether we're following His calendar or not. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, how it ties all of these two feasts that we've just looked at in with Christ fulfilling them. It says there, and starting in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 5, 
it says this, Your glorying is not good. Why is it not good? Because they had a problem in Corinth. They had a sin problem. They had a problem with somebody who had taken his father's wife and was laying with her. And he says, you've got a problem with sin and there is not, you're glorying in it. Even the Gentiles don't glory in something like this. They don't even think to do it, but you're puffed up and bragging about it. Your glorying is not good, he says. And then he says this, purge out your old leaven. Why? Leaven represented to God's sin because when you put it in the bread mix, what does it do? Sharon, you've made a lot of stuff. What does leaven do when you put it in there? It rises, puffs up. It's pride. It's the symbol for pride because it puffs up. And that's why there is no leaven to be found whenever you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He humbled himself as a servant and was obedient unto his Father. And he died as an obedient servant instead of as the creator of heaven and earth. And there was no leaven found in him. And that's why there's unleavened bread that you partake of and not leavened bread. It says, your glorying in this sin is not good. A little leaven can leaven the whole lump of you. So therefore, purge that out that you might be a new lump of dough without leaven in it. And then he says this, Since you are supposed to be unleavened, for indeed Christ our what? Passover. Our, our, the Messiah, the Christ, is our Passover. I thought Passover was this lamb that was on the 14th day over here all the time. You know what? Over here at the cross where I first saw the light, that was on the 14th day of the first month. Christ was our Passover. Everything in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. You remember how he told them to go in and find the place for them to do the Passover feast? That How do you want us to prepare the lamb and where are we going to meet? And he says, go into town and tell the man that the master has sent you and he'll show you where to go. And they went in the upper room. Passover. Christ fulfills. All of this pointed to something that was real. It pointed, the physical pointed to real, it was Christ, our Passover. And on God's calendar, on the 14th of that day, He died as the Passover lamb. He fulfilled the Moed, the feast day, the appointed time of God. Year by year, it was a remembrance of, of what God had done for you in Egypt, when it came to the cross, it's a remembrance of what God has done for you spiritually for your sins. And that's why He said, in this you will do now in remembrance of Me for what I have done for you. I have now fulfilled the Passover feast. The next day, He's taken... There's darkness where he's being judged for our sins from noon until three o'clock. And at three o'clock, he says, it is finished. Sin has been paid for. You know what was happening over in the temple at the same time? Three o'clock is the afternoon or the evening oblation, the evening sacrifice. They sacrificed morning and evening. So guess what? At the moment that they were still doing the Passover lamb, the real lamb expired on the cross and fulfilled what that was a shadow of. And guess where he went that night? Because remember, they had to hurry. They had to go to Pilate and ask for his body, right? And then they had to try to wrap him up really quick to get him into the grave before what? Yeah, before evening. They had to get him into the grave before evening because that would start the new day, which is a holy day. And you know what that day is? 15th. What happened on the 15th day? Unleavened bread. Guess what they put in there? The bread of life. Christ is the unleavened bread. He is the bread of life. The sinless unleavened 
body of Christ went into the grave on unleavened bread to fulfill that moed, that appointed time on God's calendar. It all pointed to the real thing that is fulfilled in Christ. So what we have then is we've got four spring feasts. You've got Passover, unleavened bread. Then you have on the the next on the third day, it says back in Leviticus 23, if you're there, you follow along right after verse 23 and 24, 25, 26. It'll tell you that after that, God says your third feast follows a couple of days after that. You know what feast this is? First fruits. It's the feast of first fruits. It happens a couple of days after Passover and unleavened bread. And then you have the feast of first fruits after the third day. You know what that means? So you got first fruits over here. Next one, after three days from here, so like the 17th, you've got first fruits. What do you think is going to happen in three days from Christ being on the cross? Resurrection. Resurrection happened on the third day. On, the, on God's appointed calendar, it's the Feast of Firstfruits. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Chapter 15, verses 12 through 26. I'm going to read this whole thing because this is just so fabulous. I hope you're excited about this and about the Word of God. Now listen to what it says. If Christ is being preached, you see they had a problem there. These guys are Greek cultures. They, they don't believe totally in this resurrection thing. They think that once you die, you're like Rover, you're dead all over. So... They didn't really believe in this, but they were believing in God, okay? And so Paul has to enlighten them a little bit. And he has to say, now listen to me. If we're preaching Christ to you, how that He raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? What are you believing in? I'm preaching He rises, and you're saying, ah, but there ain't no resurrection from the dead. He said, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then that means Christ hasn't risen. And that means that if Christ isn't rich, risen, our preaching is in vain. It's for nothing if He has not raised from the dead. And then that means your faith is empty. Why are you believing if you don't really believe? Your faith is empty. You've got to believe then. You've got to change the way you're thinking. Because if Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty or vain. Your, your faith is vain, yes, And we are false witnesses. That means I'm a liar. Because I've been telling you that Christ rose from the grave. And if there is no resurrection, I'm a liar. And I'm a false witness unto God standing right here before Him because I've testified of God that He raised up this Jesus Christ in whom He, you're saying He didn't raise up. If, in fact... The dead do not rise. So he's using a debater's technique here. He's debating with these Greek philosophers who loved that style. And he's he's giving them a debate kind of concept here. He said, I've testified, but if it's not, then our faith, I'm a liar, everything is down the tubes. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. But you know what that means? Then you're still in your sins. If Christ isn't raised, if God didn't raise him up by the glory of the Father and to the newness of life, if that didn't happen, not only am I a liar and your faith in vain, but that means you're still stuck in sin because you don't have a Savior. And if Christ is not written, risen, you're in your sins and all of your relatives who've fallen asleep, they're perished too. And I want you to know something, he says there in verse 19. If Your only hope in Christ is this life right now that we're living in the flesh. If that's your only hope, then we are of all men most miserable. Because that is not what the purpose was, was this life. But now, I love the buts in the Bible. Verse 20, but now, 
I want you to know that Christ is risen from the dead. And he has become the what? What? Shout it. First fruits. Resurrection is first fruit. He is the first fruit unto God of those who had died. Afterwards then, all of those, he has become the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. And since by one man, Adam, death came, also by one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, came the resurrection of the dead. In Adam, all are going to die, but in Christ, all can be made alive. Each one in his order. Christ the what? First fruits. Christ our first fruit. Then afterwards, those who are Christ is coming and then comes the end. And he delivers his kingdom to God. And he puts an end to all of the devil's rule and his authority and his power. And he's going to reign until he puts all of those enemies under his footstool. Are you beginning to see that God's got a calendar? And that those moades and those feasts were shadows of the things to come as the New Testament tells us. It says that it is our school teacher to bring us to Christ. We are to look at these things as signs so that it brings us to Christ. And they are all fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. We see all of those 1,200 years from Moses. It's actually 1,400 from Moses to Christ Every year, 1,400 times, Passover lambs, unleavened bread, first fruits. All of those centuries, every year, year by year, it was all pointing to something. It was pointing to the real thing that was revealed in the New Testament. Christ, our Passover. Christ, our unleavened bread of life. Christ, our first fruits. He fulfilled them all. The appointments of God on His calendar. He's became the first fruits of all. What about Pentecost? It says in Leviticus 23 that the day of Pentecost, the fourth spring feast, and the last one of the fourth, of the four of the spring, that the day of Pentecost, there's some things that they did. They actually took a couple of loaves of leavened bread. You know why? That's us. Because we are of the leavened bread, as it said back in in 1 Corinthians 5 also. He's going to purge our sins, like it said back there. He purges through His our sins. And so we wave those loaves to say, God has sanctified these as well. And the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection, it says you're to take seven times seven. It represents our forgiveness. How many times did Christ say that you're supposed to forgive somebody? Seventy times what? It goes even further then, doesn't it? But the day of Pentecost, penta means 50. So it's 50 days after the resurrection of Christ for our sins, when He purged our sins, that He gives the Holy Spirit to seal us as the redemption. And the church started at the appointed time. Christ came at the appointed time on God's calendar. He fulfilled the things on God's time. Now listen to Acts chapter 2. Christ, when He rose into heaven through the clouds and disappeared, He had told them, I want you to stay here till you receive power from on high and you're going to be My witnesses. And then it says this, in that next chapter, they were doing what they were supposed to do. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Fully come. Look at, look at Acts 2 and verse 1 whenever you want to. The day of Pentecost for 1,400 years, it was trying to reach the destination. On that day, on God's calendar, it fully came. The appointed time. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Holy Spirit came, and we now are the church age. The time of of getting the message out. Everywhere we go of what Christ has done for us. Remember Exodus and Moses told them, 
this feasts are for you to tell everyone and tell your children what God had done for you. Christ said, these feasts point now to what I have done for you in removing your sins. I died. I was sinless. I was resurrected as the first fruits of all who are in me. And I am giving you, I am purging your sins. And through my resurrection, now we have Pentecost. The church is born, and we have the church age. And spring is over, and guess what comes between spring and fall? We're in the summer right now, folks. In the fall, though, there are three feasts. I want to ask you something. If all of the feast moades, God's appointed times, if all of them are to be fulfilled in Christ, what do you think is going to happen in the fall feasts? He's going to fulfill them too, isn't He? These are the signs, the, the moades of God. And what it also means is the assembly, but it's a dress rehearsal. For 1,400 years, God was preparing their hearts to think every year about sin, what I've done for you, everything, get it out of your house. For those two weeks, they couldn't have leaven in their house. They took every bit of it out. It's a reminder to get it out of your life. Everything is to remind you what to do. You know what? You know what the next feast day is? The next feast day in Leviticus chapter 23 is the Feast of Trumpets. So the Feast of Trumpets is the next feast day. It happens in the fall. And it gives the directions of when it is. It's on the first day of the seventh month, Tishri. And he says, on that day, it's a feast of trumpets. You know what that was? Leading The weeks leading up to that, and then the next ten days, because the feast after that is the Day of Atonement, Judgment Day. So, in that 40-day period, that 40-day period was supposed to be for the people of God to remember their sins, to repent of their sins and to prepare themselves before God to be righteous and holy for the Feast of Trumpets. Because after the Feast of Trumpets, you've got the Judgment Day, the Day of Atonement. So they, we're going to study this next week. I don't have time to get into it in depth this week, so guess what? Next week, same bat time, same bat channel. We're going to continue this. Remember all them cliffhangers you used to have where it was like right to the good part and then they said to be continued next week. <laughs> next week it's going to be continued. But we're getting to the good part. If you, these, these were the things that's already been fulfilled. There's some things that's coming that's going to be fulfilled. You want me to whet your appetite just a little bit though? Just a little bit. We're talking about the next one on God's appointed calendar is Feast of Trumpets. You know when that is? 20 days from now. It's September 16th, 18th. It's a Saturday. Whatever that Saturday is. That is the Feast of Trumpets for this year. Now why, why am I pointing that out? And this day of prayer that, that we've been talking about and that Jim spoke about and we've been putting up there that we want to uh, do for this nation... Jonathan Kahn, that's, 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 that really spearheaded this up, is a man of God that a lot of you may know and have seen on TV, on books. He's a number one writer. He's a Jewish rabbi who learned Christ and devoted his life now to teaching Christ. But he does it in a way that he, like I, has had the Spirit tell him that the old is revealed with the new. You see, there's a reason it's 40 days of prayer 
that he's got going on, and that it's through this time, and why it's called the return, because the trumpets signal the return of Christ. And what I'm trying to get you to know, the church, our, our day is so far removed from that calendar of God that we have no idea what's on it. No idea. We don't even know that day begins at evening, let alone God's appointed times on His calendar. But we saw that He keeps His appointments, doesn't He? Whether we know it or not. Jesus came whether the Jews knew it or not, didn't He? The Magi who watched God's calendar knew that He was going to be there. They didn't. If you're not on God's calendar, you're going to be taken like a thief in the night. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But you, brethren, are not of darkness, but you are light. So that that season, that moed, the appointed time should take you by surprise. It shouldn't. Why? Because every year at this time, we begin preparing our hearts for the Feast of Trumpets because we know and believe that on God's calendar, if He fulfilled literally those feasts on His first advent, His next one, He's going to fulfill them at all. And I know everybody takes that one Scripture that somebody's thrown out there that says, oh, that day and hour no one knows. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. The day and the hour. He didn't say anything about the season, did He? Didn't He say, but you will know the seasons? Here's the things to look for. The season is God's appointed time of the trumpets. Look at what it says up here. Here, whet your appetite for how much deeper we're going to go next week and into the other feasts. Here it is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul's writing to them there and he says, The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with what? The trumpet of God. One of these days on the Feast of Trumpet, we don't know the day and the hour, but we know the season, the Feast of Trumpets. We don't know which one, but be ready for any one that comes. The trumpet of God, the appointed time, is what it means on God's calendar, the blowing of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remaining will be harpazoed is the word, and that means to be snatched up. You got something growing in the ground and you want it, and you snatch it up. You got fruit on a tree that you want, and you snatch it off of there. Harpazo means to snatch away. It says that when that trump sounds and the archangel's voice is out, Christ is going to meet us in the clouds and the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And then we which are alive and remaining and say, hey, what's going on? He's going to say, whew, and snatching you up next to go with them and to be together with them in the air to meet the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to show you some things next week. You know what they did on the mount whenever... You know how God presented Himself to the people of Israel? We're going to get there next week, but I'm going to give you a snippet. God told Moses, go tell the people, I am going to meet with them on this day. And for three days, they were to prepare themselves and to wash their clothes and to make themselves ready. And God said, I will meet you there. And guess what? On that third day, the trumpets began sounding louder and louder and the form of God's cloud came with thunders and lightnings and, and smoke like a furnace over that mountain. And God met him and Moses went up. And the man of God met God in the air on top of the mountain. It was the representation of this, folks. That when those trumpets blare, the people of God go up to meet Him there in the air, and so shall we ever be. And he says, comfort each other with these words. Why? Because you know the season. You're following my calendar. Take comfort. I got you. And I'm going to snatch you up. Whether you're already, on, you're already gone, or whether you're on the ground alive, I've got you. And I'm going to bring all of mine with me. So, comfort each other with these words. So next week, as our worship... And praise team comes on back up and we close out. Bring some people. Why? These are the days of prayer 
personal examination and preparation for the Lord to make things right. Do you have a friend, a loved one, that you do not want to miss these things? Bring them with you next week so that they can help to learn and understand that we don't know the season if it's this year, but we, uh, we don't know the day and the hour, but we know a season. We don't know if it's this year, but we know at some point, at some time, that we're going to have a meeting in the air and you don't want to be left out of that. Because if we believe the Word of God that Christ fulfilled all of those things, we believe that He's going to fulfill the rest of them too, don't we? Amen? Look at, look at what the last slide up there, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says. All of God's promises are going to be fulfilled in Christ. And have means that God sees the end from the beginning. And that means the first four were fulfilled. He has already whooped death and sin. And that means that the last ones in God's eyes are as sure as if they've already happened. And all of His appointments, all of His promises are fulfilled in Christ with a resounding amen is what the word is. Can you say a resounding amen? Amen. They're going to be fulfilled in Christ. Now is the time to get ready and prepare your hearts through repentance and prayer and examination and bring someone with you because we don't want anyone to not be here with us. The Feast of Trumpets, it's September 19th, I've got it here. we got 20 days to prepare in case it's this season. And I pray that you bring them back next week and we're going to explain that and, and what it means and the wedding feast and, and the Day of Atonement if we can get to that. But please, be here for the appointed time because Sunday, the first day of the week, is our appointed time now to feast with the Lord. What we're going to do in just a moment, we're fulfilling all of these things in remembrance of Christ that He fulfilled. Amen? Let's pray. And Father... We thank You for the power that is in Your Word. Your Word is alive and powerful. And Father, it's living. It's, it's just as fresh and renewing and powerful this day as it was when you, you had it pinned and revealed and breathed by the Spirit of God. When it says all Scripture is inspired, it means God breathed that the, the breath of God gave these words. And God, we know You love us. You love Your children. And that's why You're saying comfort one another with these words because You're not children of darkness and I want You to know and be ready for the day that I'm going to snatch You up to be with Me. And Father, we thank You for Christ. We thank You for Christ, our first fruit, our Passover, our unleavened bread, that through Him, that we have this mighty hope of being with You when that last trump sounds. Thank You. And between now and then, whatever happens, Father, we just pray that You're with us. And that You will help us in this daily battle. Help us to put Your armor on each day and then be Your ambassadors, Your light to the world. In Jesus' name, Amen.